This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are going to talk about physical activity assessment in children. And we have a great guest for today's episode. Our guest have done his PhD in Liverpool John Morse University and is currently looking for an ideal position to continue his research work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Matteo Crotti. Welcome, Matteo. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me here. Great to have you. So would you like to introduce yourself? So as a, so thank you all again. And uh, as you said, I just completed my, my PhD, which was about uh, pedagogies in physical education and physical activity in children. So uh, my, uh, my role, in my PhD was part of a bigger project called Sample PE Project. And the main aim was to, uh, for the project to evaluate how um, different pedagogical approaches to movement learning, so improving movement skills in physical education, could affect the, the development of the child from different perspectives. And, uh, and we assessed the cognition, motivation, motor competence development. And my focus was on physical activity. So I guess uh, that's why the, the experience that I learned from my PhD and my studies I'll be here to sharing them yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. We we thought before when we were planning this episode that there's quite many things that you need to consider when you have children. They <laughs> they behave differently than adults. They are different size. There's quite many many things that you need to consider. And we thought that it's probably useful for listeners who are planning a project with children to hear about those experiences. As usually, you don't write those in a research paper you don't write about the challenges you had with the data collection you just tell what you did so so you you just finished your phd was it a few weeks ago and and now you're looking for a position what what kind of would be an ideal position for you an ideal position would be um would be a postdoc or a lecturing position uh, where I could uh, um, teach, either teach the, at the university levels about um, topics around sports science, in particular uh, physical education, physical activity promotion, uh, or coaching. And uh, and in terms of research, uh, I would like to keep uh, moving on about uh, aspects of uh, quality physical education and um and physical activity and health aspects in in children but i'm open like as as concerns research about physical activity or also in other age groups mm, yeah sounds good so if if we go to measurement of uh, physical activity in children so what would you say what things do you need to consider when you are choosing a 
assessment method? Well, first of all, uh, you need to consider the age group uh, you are uh, you want to assess and the characteristic of the population you want to assess. And based on that, you should do a good scan of the possibilities out there to to assess uh, that population. And as you said in your introduction before, uh, children uh, as a, have a specific uh, characteristic, and uh, therefore that that should guide our our choice. For example, uh, to make an example, um, self. Uh, so questionnaires, so self-report, work uh, quite well with uh, with adults because they have uh, the cognitive capacities and the memory and uh, the experience and the the, cog- the, the understanding to um, to to report their physical activity levels and uh, what it means to do an intense physical activity and what it means uh, to do light or moderate physical activity. But for children uh, using self-report, so questionnaires, research tells us that it doesn't really work well. It doesn't lead to accurate results in terms of, uh, of physical activity because of different, because as I said, there's a problem with the remembering for them what, what they did. Uh, there, there could be a problem that is called a, a social desirability bias. So they might tend to provide answers that are in line with what um, they think you expect them to say. And as I said, as I mentioned, uh, they might not be able to understand the difference between uh, um, a, a vigorous physical activity and uh, something moderate like as an adult would uh, would do so other so yeah the, the decision about physical activity assessment should be guided uh, by uh, a good research about what works well and what uh, doesn't in this population Mm. so basically you would say that don't use questionnaires if you are not really forced to force to use them yeah like uh, especially in young children there's a good uh, there's a good review by eating hitting and colleagues in published in 2018 if i'm not mistaken that um that explains well why questionnaires don't work really really well with children, they are not the the best way to assess uh, children. Physical activity, of course, there um, there could be parent or um, teacher report of physical activity levels of the children, but it, it is quite uh, a burden, like a time consuming, maybe for for parents to to do that, and uh, it might not be that uh, reliable, and parents cannot see what children do at school and so it's not ideal Hmm. so so probably objective methods what do you have to say about different objective Uh, device based uh, if we want to say if you want to use uh, correct uh, term yeah this term so there's again as for device based ones uh, there's different methods 
like um, for example to assess uh, habitual physical activity so free living physical activity you could use a portable calorimetry in children but uh, this would have a problem in terms of uh, indirect calorimetry would give a really good um, evaluation of uh, the energy expenditure of the child but it couldn't do it for a long period of time and uh, it is quite invasive because uh, they need to have this um, device uh, which is mm, depends on the model but it might weight uh, alpha alpha kilogram or a kilogram depending and uh, they normally don't cannot be used for uh, for more than a certain amount of hours so they're not they cannot be used to assess a child for a for a full week uh, other other um, another method that is um, generally used uh, device based is are pedometers pedometers uh, are good uh, methods to assess physical activity but in a way uh, they have some limitations they um, the pedometers gives information about steps step counts and uh, the whole models only provided information about the number of steps per day so no other information about physical activity intensity duration type you know other interesting stuff that uh, people might want to know a newer model uh, they are based on uh, acceler accelerometer um, sensors now can give frequency of steps per minute and some people develop the uh, thresholds uh, to assess a moderate to vigorous physical activity in children using pedometers but at two date there's few uh, thresholds developed and validated and they're not very accurate compared uh, to other uh, measurements and uh, so another one would be direct observation which is a really good method a method to serve, uh, observe free living physical activity in children uh, however um, you can like it is quite difficult to serve a person for a a full week it's not very ethical in, in in different ways and time consuming uh, in that sense if so direct observation would be good to observe physical activity and you could get a physical activity type physical activity duration physical activity level um, but for short amount of time mm. And, and would you say that you would use direct observation only when you want to validate a method, when it's kind of worth doing doing the work to op observe? Uh, it could be worth it also in other um, uh, in other situations, not not just in calibration studies, but for example, let's say that we are doing an analysis of uh, recess playtime in children. If, if we use uh, validated systematic observation uh, tools, uh, they could lead uh, to good results. Um, and uh, there's new methods which are uh, which provide more information. There's a good uh, uh, article by Cox and colleague in 2000, 
published in 2020 about systematic observation. But again, they're good for, they're better for a shorter amount of times and they could be used for calibration of ad, di, other devices such as accelerometers or pedometers. Uh, um, yeah, if, if I still go to direct observation, could, could you think that you do when you are piloting the study or you are starting a project would you use direct observation to understand what do we actually need to measure what is the context of movement if you have a new group and you don't really know what to expect would you kind of test it with the small sample the direct observation that you would understand better what do we actually expect to be measuring with some other method it depends on uh, if you're talking about calibration studies, so uh, methods within uh, physical activity assessments. I would say having pilots uh, where we where you use also direct observation would be really good. I actually did it myself in one of my studies. Uh, we used uh, um, direct observ- systematic observation to assess physical activity levels in children and um, and we assess it, its association with uh, accelerations collected with the uh, accelerometers and uh, and yeah well, our results are out there yeah yeah maybe I, I thought thought some kind of situation you you know quite well what people do kids do in in PE and this kind of situation but let's say if you would for example have a setting that you want to measure physical activity in children who are who have an ongoing cancer treatment in hospital. So you don't really know yet what to expect as you haven't seen this. So you would first use direct observation to kind of get idea that how how is the situation, what kind of context they have throughout the day to understand that, better. That that could be potentially a good application there's only you know ethical aspects uh, to consider such as uh, making video recordings within a clinical setting so it would definitely be good to evaluate this kind of aspects with uh, direct observation um in uh, in in early stage but also within uh, uh, later on as a physical activity assessment uh, depending on the aim of the study and depending on what is feasible and uh, ethical yes good points and and then i wanted Hello? to ask excuse oh. me could i ask one question before you yeah yeah sir please please go on do you work with children and physical activity okay then you should listen to us we wanted to tell you about this polar bear animation that is so cool. And we understood from his funny explanations why humans and polar bears shouldn't sit all day. Fabian device, it is an accelerator. And I could tell you all the specs. But you just need to know it measures accurately sedentary behavior and physical activity and is scientifically validated. But most importantly, using it feels like magic. 
Yeah, like magic. Ding dong done. So learn more at fabian.com/kids. Please click it because it's important that kids all over the world can learn from polar bear. That's so awesome. Mom, can we have a polar bear as a pet? Please, mom. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That if you're using direct observation. You need to consider the ethical consideration and how do you apply for them? Will will it be approved by the ethical commission? Yeah. So definitely. So we already discussed the discussed the many assessments uh, and the the last. There's also methods that use uh, GPS, but to assess physical activity aspects of children but but there's much less uh, now and it, it's more about the position about where the children did the physical activity rather than the actual physical activity levels so uh, and then there's a uh, accelerometers which are widely used uh, method to assess uh, physical activity the population and also with children there's a and there's much out there published about valid and reliable methods to assess uh, physical activity and the using accelerometers and the good thing about using accelerometers is, is that is that you can assess uh, physical activity intensity type duration and rules energy expenditure depending on the methods you use but of course you need to every person wanting to do it should carefully check the accuracy of each of these methods and you know the age group where they were validated before you these methods yeah and and when you were doing your studies you were using mainly accelerometers right yes uh we, we did use um both direct observation and uh, accelerometers but for habitual physical activity assessment of children over a full week accelerometer was the device that we decide device that we decided to use because of the reasons that i just explained and and if we go to the accelerometer location could you expand a little bit on on the advantages and disadvantages of risk to waste and and thigh thigh worn so um as for uh, wrist uh, and um, waste, I would say that uh, research now in children doesn't doesn't report compelling evidence of uh, one um, positioning, so wrist or waist being better than the other one. Like there's also fifty fifty. Some studies reporting that the waist is better. Some 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 studies reporting wrist is better. So. Um, for the wrist-based uh, monitors, possibly the, um, the one of the problem would be uh, that it might, in some cases, uh, overestimate uh, physical activity. Uh, well, the, if you know the accuracy of uh, the studies uh, um, is the accuracies of these methods are report well reported, but. Uh, it seems that they might lead to slightly higher physical activity recording than 
the hip once in, uh, in certain situations. For example, a person might be seated and just uh, waving the hands, uh, not doing uh, high levels of physical activity, but the accelerometer would uh, record strong accelerations. So high levels of physical activity, even if the person is seated and not expending much energy. Uh, but at the same time, that's also, a, a, in, in some cases, a positive aspect of, uh, of the wrist accelerometers. Because uh, if a child or a person is doing throwing and catching, then uh, the, uh, the wrist accelerometers would be recording the, the movement uh, better than a waist, uh, uh, than, than accelerometer positioned on the waist so all the activities where the the child or the person is stationary but moving the the limbs uh, would wouldn't be well assessed uh, by the waist uh, accelerometers so and um, as for the tie ones uh, i guess uh, they would be better than uh, than the others uh, to evaluate uh, also postural aspects of the child and they are widely used to assess also physical activity type or um, uh, for example um, they could be used to evaluate uh, sedentary behaviors really well because you get uh, uh, time sitting, time lying, time uh, walking, time standing because they use also the evaluate the inclination of the device. Uh, this can be done also with the wrist uh, accelerometers um, using, for example, uh, the sedentary sphere assessment developed by um, Roland and colleague. And colleague uh, uses both acceleration and uh, inclination of the wrist accelerometer to evaluate uh, whether better evaluate the posture of the child or the person and to understand whether is sedentary or not for example and and how, how would you see you said that it's also advantage of a wrist worn device that it's measuring the arm movements and and basically now the algorithms are kind of trying to estimate from the movement of the wrist or the acceleration of the wrist what the legs are doing but have you seen accelerometers uh, alg accelerometer algorithms which actually kind of analyze the arm movement has anybody done research of kind of arm movements of children do you mean like biomechanical research on uh... yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that you know now we try to estimate from the movement of the wrist that what the legs are doing but you could also concentrate on the arm movements you know how high are the maximum accelerations in the arm it's probably throwing a ball and it's you could get the inclination whether the arm is over up over you or down below the waist so I Do think you know uh, any studies, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know the studies in particular, but Gareth Stratton is doing a lot to evaluate uh, uh, movement competence of uh, children using uh, using uh, 
accelerometers and I think uh, uh, this could lead to interesting uh, interesting results in terms of uh, uh, you know uh, movement uh, assessment using these devices in terms of quality let's say of the movement rather than uh, physical activity hmm. and and which which wearing position you you used in your studies uh, we we used uh, we decided to use uh, wrist because there's some evidence uh, that um wrist uh, can lead to a slightly better compliance in terms of uh, wearing time in children and given that we were uh, we had uh, children from deprived areas we expected uh, um, low compliance uh, potentially and uh, and in young children so uh, we, we had five to six years old children so potentially might not be very bothered to keep it on or like uh, take it off and forget to put it back on again so it seems that the 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 wrist ones lead to uh, to slightly higher levels of uh, compliance even if the there are some studies reporting different results for the waist but it seems a bit more evidence is in favor of the wrist ones we didn't use the uh, the the one on the um, on the tie um, again because uh, that uh, then there's the need to stick it on the tie of, of the child and these were really um, young children and uh, in, we there could have been problem in compliance as well because if they were taking it off because it was uh, a bit annoying for them we were losing all the all the data. Mm. Yeah. So, so if we summarize a bit, would you would you agree with the summary that basically for the compliance, the wrist is best, and then probably probably the waist or hip, and then the thigh, as in the thigh, you need to attach it. But then, if it's about accuracy, the thigh would be best because it's actually moving, measuring the acceleration and movement of the thigh. And it can also detect the posture, so you can detect sitting and standing and other activity types. So, would you would you agree with this? Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't dare to say that um, that the that one is uh, definitely better than the others. But like uh, the one on on the tie, the one or the one that uh, using or the strategies that use inclination. And not just uh, uh, acceleration, and so they evaluate also the posture are better for sedentary behavior assessment. So for sedentary behavior assessment, you want um, if your main focus is on that, I would suggest to use devices which uh, account for the posture. If you are more interested in uh, in um, in moderate to vigorous for physical activity, for example, um, or um, yeah, or other type of physical activity intensities. Um, I think the different devices provide good results. All of them have their strengths and their limitation, let's say, which balance out. 
and and yeah you, you were using the wrist one so you know you know quite a bit of the practicalities of having a wrist worn device so so how would you say with with children of different ages how what are the possible challenges and what do you need to consider when using the wrist worn device okay so possible challenges would be uh, first of all the the compliance uh, that that you get uh, from the children you might uh, you might get uh, low compliance because uh, children could um, uh, you know could not be very willing to to use the accelerometers but they they might feel the pressure the peer pressure or pressure from the researcher to to use it so one of the the thing that you would want to do would be to find strategies to increase the compliance as much as possible and uh, to make sure that the child is happy to uh, to wear the the device and um what else would be would be important yeah if if, if i continue a bit so I think there's devices that can show the results or show something on the screen. Some some of them have like a display or on the wrist. What would be your take? Should there be time of the day or some results on the wrist? And how does those affect? Yeah. So so for physical activity assessment, uh, I would say it's it's suggested not to provide the. Uh, physical activity data within uh, on on the display of the device. So some of the Actigraph, for example, provide give the option to provide uh, um, you know uh, a me- like a for example steps on the on the display. I think so an outcome about physical activity that the children could see. But if you if the aim of the study is to assess the physical activity levels providing the child with the with the with his his current physical activity level could have an effect an effect uh, could be a confounder could could have an effect on the physical activity of the child and we don't want anything to um, to further change the physical activity level the normal habitual physical activity levels of the child but, but getting that back to to other um, problems that uh, that uh, came to my head about working with children it is very important to remember that their wrist is not as big as the one of uh, of an adult so sometimes it happened to me that the the wrist provided by uh, the wrist straps provided by the by the device, by the brands that sell the devices were too big for the children. So I had to make either extra holes uh, for the the wrist of the, uh, for the children or to buy different straps. So one of the suggestions would be to, to remember this when you, before doing data collection, maybe trial the, the straps on children of that age and see if they fit. And uh, another thing would be that some materials could be, some children could be allergic to certain type of uh, straps materials. So 
make sure to ask uh, the family and if there's some allergies. Um, other problem that you could face would be that children could uh, damage the straps because uh, um, I had this problem um, quite a lot, like uh, children maybe playing or um, I don't know, uh, probably playing just broke the strap so they couldn't wear the device and I lost uh, all the data or they just damaged it by chewing on it. So you may need to have uh, extra straps for your project uh, ready um, to, to use. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.